0: Welcome to the What If Podcast, where we rewrite sports past, present, and future. We're your hosts, Eddie, Jeet,
1: Cameron, and Michael.
0: Four lifelong friends, each with a unique perspective on sports. And find out, what if the NFL investigated everything like, like they investigated deflated footballs? Hey everybody, what's up? This is Eddie here. Wanna wish everybody a happy Lunar New Year for those who celebrate. Happy Black History Month as well.
1: I think it's close to Valentine's Day as well when this episode comes out.
0: Oh, you are so right, yeah. So uh, yeah, happy Valentine's Day. Good call, Camper. We uh, just are over here in our respective areas where, even though we're in all over the country, We all are experiencing the same type of weather and that's snow. But yeah, we just finished talking about this episode with Brian Flores and the lawsuit and he's suing the NFL and three NFL teams. So it was a great discussion. So we're going to do something lighthearted now. Um, I'm going to pass it over to Jeet.
2: Thanks Eddie. So I have an activity and none of the other three guys know what's about to happen. To start with, I'm going to need one of you to volunteer, bearing in mind, whoever volunteers to go first is going to be at a slight disadvantage, but not a big deal.
0: I volunteer as tribute.
2: All right, Eddie, what a
3: hero. So, Eddie, I will give you one
2: minute. I need you to name as many Arsenal players with 10 plus goals in a season since 2000. Are you ready?
3: Yeah, I'm ready. Okay, Michael, can you keep track of time? You got it. One minute? One minute. Ready? Eddie, go.
0: Obama Yang, Van Percy, Adebayor, Thierry Henry, uh, Ramsey, uh, Theo Walcott, um, Alexander Lacazette, um, Cesc Fabregas, um... Uh, um Dennis Burkamp, Ian Wright, uh Robert Perez Freddie Youngberg um mm, 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 fifteen seconds, okay, good. Um let's go, let's go. Uh, uh
3: yeah, I'm, I, uh, <laughs> I got nothing. Time's up. All right. I will not reveal the results until the very end. So who wants to go next? I'll
2: get it out of the way
1: here. This is going to be interesting. All <clears> right.
2: <throat> Cameron, for you, I need you to name every Oklahoma player in the NFL. One minute on the clock. Ooh. Ready, Eddie, go.
1: Okay, we got Kyler, we got Baker, we got Jalen Hurts. Those are the three quarterbacks. We got Mixon, Samaje P. Ryan. Um, We've got uh, Kenny Stills was on and off a of roster this year. C.D. Lamb, uh, Marquise Brown, Mark Andrews, Orlando Brown, Creed Humphrey, Daryl Williams. Um, there's a dude named Ford. There's a Daryl Williams. He's another offensive lineman for the Rams. Oboe Kronkwo, Blake Bell, the belldozer. Um, let's see who else. We've got uh, Trey Brown, Trey Norwood. Um, we've got Ramondre Stevenson, Trey Sermon transferred, but he was still at OU. Um, Kenneth Murray, uh, Austin Seibert, he's a kicker, True Sway is a punter.
2: Time's up. Okay. Could you spell kuwankwo?
3: <laughs> hey, here, let me look it up. I actually can look it up. Let me see. Got it. Okay, Michael. Are you ready? I am. But, are you going to take part in this activity as well, by chance? I'm not. No. Indeed. I refuse to. I absolutely refuse. Okay, Michael. One minute on the clock.
2: Eddie, would you be able to time for him?
4: You don't Sorry. trust me, G? To uh, me. <laughs> I saw those you shouldn't.
2: <laughs> you shouldn't trust me. You're right. <laughs> okay, Michael. Can you name the Mizzou basketball starting lineups of the 2010s? So this will be the five players with the most starts per season.
4: You got it. Ready.
3: Eddie, go.
4: Matt Pressy, Phil Pressy, Ricardo Riley, Damari Carroll. Leo Lyons, Kim English, 2010s, Drew Smith, Jeremiah Tillman,
3: Jabari Brown, Ernest Ross, Reed Nico, Marcus Stenman,
4: Michael Dixon Jr. Oh my gosh, they're really bad in the mid-2010s. Oh my gosh, I don't even remember any of those guys. Justin Safford.
3: Oh, no. Um, JT Tiller. Zari Taylor. Mm, 12 seconds left. Uh Uh-oh. Xavier Pinson. Lawrence Bowers.
4: Oh, yeah. Mid-2010s is what got me in
2: could you say
4: some of those
2: names you said at the beginning <laughs> I did not oh gee you
4: got me um <laughs> i'll do my best i think i would start with the pressy brothers matt and phil pressy may have been uh-huh. 2009 or eight but kim english ricardo ratliff lawrence bowers keith ramsey justin safford jeremiah tillman drew smith xavier pinson uh okay. i think that, I think that was a start it.
1: did you not mention mpj and
4: oh yeah well he didn't play. he only played three games so I don't think he would have been this that's right they had a good team that year dang get Javon, right.
1: Javon what's his brother's name Jontay
4: Jontay Porter
1: dang you're right yeah so ret- PJ would not have been on that list <laughs> sadly He'd like three yeah in retrospect
2: it sounds like that was by far the hardest Sorry, I apologize for that, Michael. I didn't anticipate. <laughs>
1: He's <laughs> I, pretty good. I'd never heard of half those players. So.
2: Yeah. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to do some quick maths.
4: I'm curious, Eddie and Cameron, would you all been able to name Michigan State basketball and Oklahoma basketball rosters in the 2010s? Oh, absolutely. No question.
1: I would have struggled quite a bit, I think.
3: All right. We have the results. Are you ready? Yeah. Let's get it. So, in third place with 44%, which is very good, actually, is Michael. Well done, Michael. In second place with 55% is Cameron. Well done, Cameron. And in first place with 66%, Eddie. So, he got 66%
1: of the 10 goal scorers in Arsenal? Yeah.
2: It might have been... Because his where repeats were counted, so like Henri counted for four, so it might have been a little bit of a, an advantage, but still,
3: like these are mm. do not know a lot of these people, so yeah, good stuff, everyone. Just wanted to keep your brains fresh, keep you on your toes,
2: make sure you're mm. not getting too complacent. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah well done well everyone
2: yeah.
1: <laughs> i thought you were gonna we were gonna follow eddie's and you're gonna have me do liverpool's 10 goal scores and i was like like five maybe like we're not gonna do very good on this I Thought about
2: it michael would you have preferred a swansea question or mizzou basketball i think mizzou
4: basketball would have i think that was the right choice i was the same logic gamer and i was thinking like who are the swansea guys who score 10 goals There're not many of them so but yes, well done,
3: everyone. I'll throw it back to you, Eddie. All right, enjoy the episode.
0: <laughs> <laughs> enjoy the episode. Or no, it's conclusion?
1: <laughs> oh. oh, you're right. This is all
0: stated. This is all stated.
1: Enjoy the episode. This this is our first time recording after we just recorded the episodes. Eddie is very confused. I don't think he still has grasped what we're doing, but (laughs) (laughs) enjoy us talking about Brian Flores and how racist the NFL is.
0: So my topic today is actually pretty recent. I actually did some research on this last night because there was news that came about this last night. So what am I talking about? I am talking about Brian Flores suing the NFL as well as three NFL teams, the Miami Dolphins, the New York Giants, and the Denver Broncos. And he's suing for discrimination in hiring in the NFL. So let me just start out with some background. So who is Brian Floyer? So essentially, he is a Black NFL coach. He's actually born to Honduran immigrants in New York. I did not know that. So he's a Black NFL coach, Afro-Latino NFL coach. And he worked 10 years with Bill Belichick at the New England Patriots. He was an assistant for him. And then in 2019, he was offered the job as head coach for the Miami Dolphins. And I'll just tell you the record that he had with the Miami Dolphins during the three seasons he was at the helm. So the first season, which was in 2019, he had a record of five and 11. So five wins and 11 losses. In 2020, he had 10 win season and six losses. In 2021, he had a nine-win season and then eight losses. So from what I researched, that was the first back-to-back winning seasons since 2003, so in almost 20 years. But then, just last month, he was fired. So what are the allegations specifically? So what, what is Brian Flores, like what is he suing for? Why, why is he suing? Why did he present this lawsuit? Basically, it's about race. He says race plays a role into this allegation, into this lawsuit, citing the fact that there have been instances where he hasn't been presented equal opportunities for head coaching positions, and he cites other things. And it's not just him, but he also cites other coaches within the NFL. So the first instance that he talks about or the first team that he talks about, the New York Giants. Let me set the scene for you. So after he got fired from the Miami Dolphins, he was interviewed by the New York Giants. So he had like a Zoom interview. And this happened like mid-January, I think January 18th. And then after that Zoom interview, the GM of the Giants, I don't know his name, I can't remember his name, but the new GM, I think it was a new GM, Said, all right, hey, let's set up an, an in person interview for January 27th. So, between that time when he spoke to the GM and the time of his January 27th in person interview, he received a text message from Bill Belichick, the guy that he used to be the assistant coach for. And basically, Bill Belichick was saying, hey, congrats. Like, it sounds like you got the job. And, you know, Brian Flores was like, well, do you know something that I don't know? And, you know, he was saying, Bill Belichick was like, hey, the Giants, like, sounds like, you know, you're their guy, I, I've, I've heard. And he's like, Brian Flores was like, yeah, you know, that's actually what I want to hear. I would love that. I would love it if it's true. And then he replied again to Bill Belichick saying, did you mean to send this to Brian Flores, myself? Or did you mean to send this to Brian DeBow, who was another guy vying for that position? And, you know, Bill Belichick was like, oh shoot, my bad. I effed this up. So what came of that, first of all, he still went to the interview anyway. He knew this information already. He knew that, you know, he may not be the prime candidate for this position, but he went to the interview anyway, just with hopes that the organization will do the right thing and actually give him a chance. So he's just upset. Within the lawsuit, he's frustrated with the fact that there was a lack of transparency in this process and the fact that there were conversations going on behind the scenes. So he states in the lawsuit that he wants more transparency in the hiring process, and he cites the New York Giants for failing to do that. Secondly, the Dolphins. In the lawsuit, he talks about how when he was the head coach, intentionally lose games. Like, lose games. And, I'll, and he said, I'll pay you $100,000 to lose each game. And that's what's stated in the lawsuit. But Brian Flores was saying, and um, I was listening to an interview just this morning that he had with ESPN as well as CBS this morning. He was basically saying, you know, that's, I'm here to win. Like, I want to do right by my players and the coaching staff, you know, so I'm not here to tank the season because the owner was suggesting that if you keep losing games, we'll have a better chance of getting like a higher draft pick. So he's saying in the lawsuit that the fact that he didn't abide by that, that was a reason that he was fired. So that's the Miami dolphins. The third team that I mentioned was the Denver Broncos. And before he was offered the job with the Miami dolphins, he had an interview with the Denver Broncos and the GM, John Elway, According to the lawsuit, he said that John Elway was, he looked like he was drunk. Like him and the other people that were interviewing him looked like they had a night out the night before and they didn't fully recover. And he felt that this interview wasn't taken seriously. And he felt that the organization was just interviewing him just to fulfill or abide by the Rooney rule. So the Rooney rule essentially it was established in 2003, and it says that teams must interview minority candidates for the general manager and club president position, for the head coaching and assistant head coach position. Um, yeah, so those are the positions that the Rooney Rule was, you know, minorities can buy for those positions. And the reason why this Rooney Rule was created is because, you know, there's a lack of representation of minorities especially black coaches, black general managers, assistant coaching, things like that. So that was what the Rooney Rule was meant to do, to increase representation in those positions. So essentially now, Brian Flores, with this lawsuit, he filed this lawsuit while he was in negotiation, or not negotiation per se, but he was in, he he's a candidate for two NFL teams, the New Orleans Saints, as well as the Houston Texans. And his lawyers are saying that the Rooney Rule, since 2003, there are actually less black coaches now than there were when the Rooney Rule was established. Now there's only one black coach. And if you want to include minority, so there's two, including Ron Rivera, who is of Latino, Latinx descent. So this was an interesting quote by the lawyers. I was saying, you know, after this lawsuit was released, that the NFL, they came out and just denied everything. They did it swiftly, like within 30 minutes to an hour after this lawsuit was presented. They said, you know, we categorically deny all of this. Right, So the lawyers were saying the NFL investigated deflated footballs longer than they even took to do a response to this. I thought that was a pretty interesting quote.
3: My question, I guess, is, I don't even know if I have
0: any questions. I kind of just want to pause right there, see if there's anything. Because I was trying to figure out the title of this, and the what if that came to mind was, what if the NFL investigated everything like they investigated deflated footballs? The NFL, it's not the greatest organization when it comes to handling certain things that are outside of football. It's not only just race, it can also be sexual assault and the reinstating of players after that, you know, things like that. So that was the title of my what if, but like I'll just pause and see if you guys had any comment on this. This is new. Like I said, you know, this is pretty fresh. This just came out yesterday. So I don't know if you all had any initial thoughts on this.
1: Well, It's unfortunate that we have to have this conversation because it's been proven almost every year there's still racism within all these organizations. And the worst part about it, well... It's not the worst part about it. Obviously, the racism is the worst part about it. But the part that really sucks is that the African-American population in the NFL and most sports is extremely high. Maybe not baseball, but basketball and football is probably like 80%. I think I saw it was like 75% in the NFL. So to have like all these owners and coaches and all these people that, you know, still have those underlying beliefs but like all these people that are making the money for all of them are black people. That's crazy. And to see that think about how many players that have gone through the NFL and then they're somehow just not represented in the coaching and GM. It is really crazy to see those numbers that, you know, there's only one head coach that's black. And, you know, you said two minority coaches. So I mean, out of how many, I mean, I don't, I can't even think of a black GM off the top. I don't know them that well, but all the ones that I know aren't. So yeah, that really sucks. But the, the one coach that really comes to my mind, who's had a ton of success is Eric Bieniemy at Kansas city. And I don't know if that's something like he doesn't want to leave Kansas city. Cause he's obviously got it really good. And like, I don't know, maybe he's the person to follow Andy Reid. So he's like got that kind of on the back burner. I don't know. I don't know like what those conversations looked like, but it's crazy to me that he hasn't been seriously considered as a head coach. But yeah, the whole Brian Force things, I was shocked whenever he was fired. I was like, the Miami Dolphins have been just middling in mediocrity forever. It seems like and i mean he's got a team that plays really hard they started the year like 1 and 8 or 1 and 7 or something crazy like that and they ended up with a winning record like they played really good in the second half of the season i mean last year i think they made the playoffs last year didn't they or maybe they're really close i can't remember and they're like really building towards something good so i would hate to see what seems like a really good coach be fired because of that reason obviously like the media and stuff they said it was for other reasons but it's crazy to think that someone with a 500 record or even record after that team was so bad when he took over is fired like it's crazy to me but i i do i do wonder too sorry michael last thing i do wonder too i thought the timing was odd because there must be a lot that he is really feeling about this because like i was pretty sure that he was going to be snatched up as a head coach here pretty soon and The Saints and the Texans, like, they make a lot of sense. So he did a lot of good things with a really bad roster in Miami. Like, imagine it was, like, an act, like a real team, like in New Orleans or something. I do wonder if that affects him getting hired this year and think it's odd that, like, this would be the timing. Like, as he's interviewing to be a head coach somewhere, he's, like, filing a lawsuit against all these other owners. But, sorry, I'll let you go, Mike.
4: Yeah, no, I totally agree, Cameron. Like, the Miami Dolphins, this guy comes in, first-time head coach, and does really well with the Miami Dolphins. And I think this year, I mean, I don't follow the Miami Dolphins on a day-to-day basis, but I heard they had a lot of injuries. So, you know, you want to blame him for a one 1-8 starts of the season? Whatever. But, like, if you have injuries, things are going to happen in the NFL. The fact that you win that many straight games consecutively and you finish with a team that... They have talent for sure, but like, you know, they're not the Kansas City Chiefs, but like finishing above 500 consecutive seasons, that is a huge accomplishment. So I agree. The firing seemed very strange. And I don't know if this conversation will dive into the fact that the owner was saying, make sure to lose games so we can get a better draft pick. But I mean, that's an impossible position to be in too. Like the owner is the person who's most in power with any organization, at least With the NFL. And I mean, how many minority owners are there in the NFL? I could probably guess no more than three. I know the Jacksonville Jaguars owner, I think, is of Pakistani descent. So I read something, it was like an ESPN first take, like quick YouTube clip. And it was like, we can talk about Roger Goodell and everything, but really everything needs to be happening through the owners. They have so much power. And unless we get more representation from the top down, then it's kind of like what's the point of the Rooney rule because you're kind of just check marking the box when you know you're interviewing minority candidates and yeah like Cameron you said Eric Enemy. like I've kind of heard that the rumblings in uh sorry Swansea's barking phone call at the same time too yeah Eric Enemy, great candidate why is he not a head coach um, and I also think a lot more people are going to come out with this. I saw Hugh Jackson, former Cleveland Browns coach, may join the lawsuit. And I think as the weeks go on, and by the time you listen to this podcast as our listener, you're probably going to hear of even more people who have joined this lawsuit. And I also think, think about college football. How many Black college football coaches can you think of top of your head? I can't think of too many. So I think this conversation is not just NFL
3: but it's going to dive into other sports as well. Well
2: said, Michael. Yeah, Eddie, as you were talking, the name that kept popping in my head was Colin Kaepernick because I saw a lot of parallels to that situation. Mostly what I was thinking was with Kaepernick, at least people were saying, oh, he protested in a way we didn't like, so we're going to disclude him from the league. But then here, there's no excuse for these coaches not even getting a chance at, like, getting an interview. So at that point, it's just pure racism. Like, there's no excuse of, like, politics or protests or anything. So if you look at the 29 or 28 or 27 white coaches in the league, do you really think those are the 27 best and brightest minds that football can offer? Because I don't know if you've seen, (laughs) like... The Jaguars so one of them, play, the Giants for.
1: One of them just uh, ran a QB sneak on third down. So, yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah, like, I think the evidence is there for itself. So, yeah, I definitely think there's a boys club going on amongst the coaching ranks. But I was also thinking about how 10 years ago, if you ask who are the three best players in the league, you would have probably said, like, Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, Aaron Rodgers. But then now, if you say it, you probably say Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, Kyler Murray. Maybe the face of the league is changing itself. Like the star players aren't just the white quarterback, but now it's the black player, the black quarterback, the black defensive lineman, the Aaron Donald. So I don't know if that's going to be more of just like a fad or if it's going to end up being a longstanding trend. But I'm interested to see how that might play a role in hiring changes and then obviously what this lawsuit could do because i feel like this is this isn't just a random guy saying hey they were unfair to me this is like a a coach who's had success in the league who has prospects of coaching again that actually is saying this is
3: not justice there's a lot going on here
2: a lot of it is fishy a lot of it doesn't smell like it's all above board
0: No, yeah. I think, um, yeah, one of my questions was, do you think he'll coach again? Because, you know, like you said, like, there's a lot of parallels to Kaepernick. Kaepernick, he protested in 2016, and he hasn't had a chance of being quarterback again. So my thinking is that Brian Flores is putting his career on the line by saying this. He's putting the NFL on blast. And these other three teams, you know, I don't think it's likely that he'll coach again. I think his career is over. Although I don't want that to happen, but just seeing the way how the NFL handles these things, I just don't see him coming back. Part of me also wants to think that the NFL has changed. You know, especially when the commissioner, Roger Goodell, he came out last year saying, oh, we mishandled the Kaepernick situation. Um, I can't remember his words exactly, but he did say that. He did say, you know, we mishandled that. So I think that's a big statement for the NFL to make. And my hope is that that wasn't just something to say just to clear the air, but I hope there's some action behind it, some substance behind it. And it wasn't a performative thing. So if it wasn't a performative thing and if they are trying to make changes internally, my hope is that they'll be receptive to this, but like I said, I really don't think he'll coach again.
1: I wonder yeah. if that would almost. Oh, go ahead. Well, I was just say it's a little bit different in that, like Kaepernick, there were you know there was a lot of like, well, is he really that good of a quarterback? Like, people don't want to, people don't want to pay the money to him and bring him on the team because there is so much, like his talent wasn't good enough. Because, like, people like you sign, like Antonio Brown, like he's been on how many teams since he's done all that crap, right? Like, if you have talent, they're going to sign you to a roster. But at some point, like, the talent for Kaepernick was kind of judged as maybe not as good enough to deal with the consequences of signing him. And I say consequences, meaning just not that it was bad to sign him, but there's a lot of attention that comes with signing him, right? But the thing with Flores is that. Like Michael said, he's proven to be a good coach. He's a very good defensive coordinator. Obviously, won I don't know how many Super Bowls he won with the Patriots, but he was on a couple of those stabs, I think. So, if I had to guess, I bet he would be a coach somewhere. I don't know if it'd be a head coach. I don't know, like if it'd be a long time. But I do wonder how it affects like the Saints and the Texans in their hiring process. Because like, do they feel pressure maybe to hire him because of this lawsuit, or do they feel? If we hired him, then that brings a lot of attention towards our organization that is not football related.
0: The, the thing about talent, I think I do remember those conversations slightly with regards to Kaepernick. But I would argue the fact that someone like Jay Cutler comes out of retirement and is offered a job before Kaepernick. I don't think Jay Cutler, you know, if for people that, who watch New Girl. Is that, yeah, I was about to say it? that. Um, yeah, I don't think Jay Cutler is more talented than, than Kaepernick. Honestly, you know, the fact that he came out of retirement, that just rubbed me the wrong way. There are other people that I can't think of at the top of my mind right now who I was like, man, they don't deserve this chance because they have not proven themselves. He could have been a backup like be a backup mm. quarterback mm. Kaepernick you know even some of the backups I don't think they deserve to be a backup yeah
4: I agree with you, Eddie and Kaepernick like I-, I don't remember his stats like immediately they before took him to the Super Bowl so. exactly that what 2011-2012 against the Ravens like mm-hmm. this guy's a Super Bowl I would say caliber quarterback like Trent Dilfer took the Ravens to the Super Bowl so like I wouldn't consider him a Super Bowl caliber quarterback but like Teddy's point right like They're backup jobs, and teams have three quarterbacks at times as well. Like this guy's got experience, Super Bowl experience, and he brought value to a team. And I think there are a lot of reasons why he wasn't brought onto a team, and it wasn't the football reasons. Like I think, kind of looking towards the future, like what is this going to look like? In hindsight, this Brian Flores situation, the Kaepernick situation. I'm not equating the two, but like Michael Sam. Shout out to the Missouri Tigers, former defensive end in Missouri. He was drafted, I think, in the sixth round as an openly gay football player in 2013, 2014. But like, that was revelatory at the time. Like, oh my gosh, Michael Sam, everyone's talking about Michael Sam and, you know, deservedly so. But it was also 2014. And if it gives me hope that hopefully this Brian Fuller situation brings more light to the situation gets more minority individuals into these positions, not just head coaching positions, but coordinator positions, ownership like GMs, is that there was a Raider football player who admitted that he was openly gay before the start of the season. And it had next to no publicity compared to the Michael Sam situation. Seven, eight years later, that gives me hope that we're calling these things out. Hopefully things improve over time.
1: Yeah. A hundred percent agree, Michael. I, I, uh, so to answer your question, Eddie, if the NFL looks into it a little bit closer, you know, I hope that they're able to write the ship a little bit and, you know, adjust the Rooney rule a little bit. Like the Rooney rule is tough because like the whole intention of it is to get a black coach in the room or a black GM in the room. That's the first step, right? But some of those stories that you're telling it sounds like they already made up their mind before they actually interviewed Flores what's even the point of bringing him in at that point so I'm not sure what that adjustment is I really I have no idea how to force the owners to not for like you don't want to force them to hire a black coach because they're black like you want them to hire them because they're the best person for the job so I don't know what the answer to that is because some of these guys are set in their ways, but I do hope that they look into it a little bit harder. I, I imagine they're going to find a lot more instances of this. I mean, like look at what Dan Snyder is going through right now with the Washington uh, commanders and, you know, the stuff with John Gruden and talking about gay people. And I can't remember if there was some like racial stuff with Snyder and them as well, but, I hope it changes. I mean, for the sake of all the players that want to be represented with people who look like them, you know,
4: for sure. I mean, if a guy, urban Meyer can get keep a job for an entire year after what he did in Cincinnati and kicking a player and training <laughs> camp. And if that happened to a black coach, like what were the differences? Like how much leeway did urban Meyer have, which maybe be the most extreme example of a coach abusing power. But getting back to your point, Eddie, like is Brian Flores ever going to get a job again in the NFL? I certainly hope so. He deserves it just based off his resume, but it'll be telling. I mean, you said last year, Roger Goodell said they mishandled the Colin Kaepernick situation. That's five years after it actually came up. No. So what's it going to look like now? It's going to be a true test. Like how does Goodell respond? How do the owners respond? How do teams respond? Because I feel like there's going to be more people jumping in on this lawsuit, talking about hiring practices in the NFL.
3: Yeah. um,
0: I want to read this lawsuit. It's like 60 pages. It's really interesting. It talks about, like, I know there was a question about what percentage of the owners are, you know, people of color. And it has a picture of all the owners. The screenshots of the text messages that he had with Bill Belichick. List of demands of like what Brian Flores and his team would want to come out, like what they want the NFL to do in terms of, you know, hiring practices and instilling more incentives to hiring people of color and especially in the coordinator position. Like I said, it's 60 pages, but I'm actually really intrigued.
1: Do you think you did it on purpose on the uh, first day of
0: Black History Month?
1: Black History Month, yeah
0: there could be something in line with that when you were asking did he do it on purpose I thought you were asking like did Bill Belichick text him on purpose and I was reading some YouTube comments and people are like yo knowing Bill Belichick he's a mastermind he probably planned this like he is Brian Flores friend so he probably had a role to play in this potentially that's what people are thinking but yeah I think there is some intentionality with the timeliness of this lawsuit
4: yeah um not to add too much more to the conversation but i'm curious like how the nfl is going to respond like because this whole situation with brian flores ties into what happened with the miami dolphins owner with like telling him to basically tank and i'm not predicting anything i just wonder like what the nfl is gonna like how are they gonna react to it is that going to be more of the focus? The fact that like owners are telling coaches to fail and just tank to get the higher draft pick compared to like dealing with actual racial injustice of like the coaching system and like hiring system. I wonder how the NFL is going to kind of focus on one over the other.
1: Yeah. That's a whole nother problem in itself. I I saw that. Of course, Hugh Jackman, Hugh Jackman, Hugh Jackson, Hugh, what's his name? (laughs) Hugh Jackson. I saw him tweeting about it, but it wasn't from an official account. And I don't know if he's just like not on social media that much or if that was actually him. But he was saying like the same thing, like that happened to him. So I, I would hope that it's not one of those things where they're like, okay, let's hire a minority coach, get him to lose a bunch of games, we'll get some superstars. If he's still bad, we'll fire him, we'll bring in. Like, we had our minority coach for the decade. Let's bring in, like, a white dude, and that'll take us. I don't know. I hope that's not the case. That's me thinking the worst. But it's odd that Hugh Jackson is also saying the same. I am curious to see. I know this isn't part of, like, the whole racial thing, but, well, I guess it kind of is. If, like, other white coaches have been put in that same situation, because there's been a lot of bad teams coached by white dudes, too. so. But I do hope they focus on the racial thing first and not, like, focus on the other stuff that he was talking about.
4: For sure. But yeah, you brought up, like, Deflategate, like, how much time they spent on Deflategate compared to other massive issues. So, I don't know. We'll see with the NFL, man.
2: I think whatever the NFL does, it will not be because it's the right thing to do, but it will because it's what's in the best interest of the NFL. Like, if Brian Flores gets a job, that's because the NFL thinks it's going to sweep their problems under the rug, and if he doesn't get a job, it's because the NFL wants to send a warning to people to not speak up. I don't have much faith in these guys that are running the NFL. Like, they're not guys that I would call courageous. I mean, <laughs> they're guys who are like, they're very rich by being very safe and sticking to the status quo, so they're not going to rock the vote. They're going to fight anything that tries to change things.
1: I mean, I wouldn't put it past the NFL to do, like, a settlement and then just, like, call it a day and be like, yeah, we'll take a look at the Rooney Rule and then, like, just not touch it or something or do something minor to, like, make it look better or something instead of, like, actually taking a deep dive, just being like, yeah, sorry about that, Brian, and then, like, slide him a check. And then Brian, like you said, never gets a job, but he gets the big check, you know. And that's essentially what they did with Kaepernick, right? They give him... I mean, it was a huge settlement, but I mean, has there been like a lot of steps that they've taken towards racial diversity in the NFL? Like, no, so.
4: Yeah, shout out to Brian Flores for bringing all this up. I mean, it wasn't that long ago, like the movie Concussion based off Dr. Bennett Omalu, like, you know, he's a doctor who, he brought up the fact that like CT is a huge issue and, you know, Colin Kaepernick, Brian Flores, like, The NFL is being put on blast and deservedly so. And the concussion situation, CT, like how the NFL handled that Kaepernick situation. I think, gee, bring a good point. Like it's going to be in their best interest, what their decision is compared to what should be done. I think that's how the NFL operates and the track record speaks true to that. So we'll see in the years to come.
3: Absolutely. Anyways,
0: thank you guys. Thank you for uh, talking about this. It's important to have conversations like this, and I appreciate you discussing. Thank you. <laughs> Good job, Eddie. <Brady. laughs> Great job, Eddie. Bye. Thanks for listening to the What If podcast. Don't forget to follow us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts so you'll know when we've released a new episode. And check out our social media pages on Instagram and Twitter at WhatIfPodSTL. Again, that's at WhatIfPodSTL. Stay tuned as we continue to reimagine the world of sports. I volunteer as tribute.
2: All right, Eddie,
3: what a hero. Gene, are you going to take part in this activity as well, by chance? I'm not. No. Indeed. I refuse to. I absolutely refuse. I just wanted to keep your brains fresh, keep you on your toes. Make sure you're Mm -hmm. not getting too complacent. I'll throw it back to you, Eddie. All right, enjoy the... (laughs)
0: enjoy the episode or no it's conclusion (laughs) oh Oh, you're right this is all stated this is all stated
1: enjoy the episode this this is our first time recording after we just recorded the episodes eddie is very confused i don't think he still has grasped what we're doing but (laughs) (laughs) of course hugh jackman hugh jackman hugh jackson hugh
3: what's his name (laughs) Hugh Jackson. The What If Podcast, produced by Michael Kelly.